If I haven't had the um, pr- uh, pleasure to be able to meet you, uh, greet you personally, my name's Dan, uh, Dan Hyun. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at the village. And just um, very, you know, days like this are exciting because we get to be reminded of transformation. That's really what it's about. I also want to affirm to you, if you're here and whether you're new or maybe you've been kind of checking out, if it feels a little overwhelming to be with all these people and especially if they're new, um, probably like majority of the people in here feel the same way you do. So hopefully you can feel welcome to that. But to welcome you, um, we know it's not an easy thing to be in a new place, especially a church. So we're really glad you're taking the step to do that. Uh, we're wrapping up this series we've been doing for, uh, for a little bit here called Who We Are, where we've been looking at different layers of what it means to be us, what it means to be in these different layers of relationship. And today we're wrapping things up um, and, you know, we've been looking at different, like, marriage and parenting and singlehood and friendships and just even with God. And today we're going to wrap it by looking at the church. Um, I'm, I'm a little biased, but one of my favorite topics, to talk about the relationships that make up this thing called the church. Um, and we're going to just jump into these verses, and it's going to help us even as we lead into baptism. I'm going to preach briefly here, but Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can I pray for us one more time here? Lord, help us, God. Help us to learn what it means to be your people, what it means to be the church. Help us, Lord, to, even in those moments when we feel like we have barely enough faith to hold on, to be reminded you're the one who holds on to us. Lord, I pray for even some in here, maybe today, who are wondering why they're here. Remind them that you love them. Remind them, Lord, that you are good. Your ways are good. Following you is good, even when life is not always so good. So speak to us. Remind us. Give us hope again of what it means to be the church. So guide us, Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, These words here, they're kind of famous words in the Bible, and they're known as the Great Commission. Um, If if any of you have ever played sports before, it's like Jesus giving the halftime speech. Like he's lived his life, he died, he rose again. Uh, if, if If you're unfamiliar with that, go read it. Open source, it's in the Bible. Tremendous stuff, right? But he's risen again, and now these are his final words recorded before he ascends. I mean, he does some more teaching, but these are one of, the, one of the final words he gives them to really impress upon them. Hey, this is something important. Listen, here, pay attention. So it's almost like a halftime, sending the team back out. That's what he's doing them, preparing to send his disciples back out. And so the imperative, and that's just a fancy word for the command that explains the central focus of this great commission This command is make disciples. That, if you need to remember anything from what's being said here, it's this command Jesus said to go make disciples. And it's critical for us as we're trying to think out what does it mean for us to be the church? And I try to hammer this into my kids. I'm saying, what is the church? They're like, the people. Because (laughs) because we know that often the church is like either a building. We say church, like this building, or we say I'm going to go to church meaning like a worship service, and all those things are expressions of the church, but biblically, this right here is the church. The people gather together. We are the church. So my kids, like, whether they're little drones or not by now, I'm like, who is the church? We are. Like, they've, they've got it down. So it's important, though, as we recognize who we are, 
we need to know what Jesus has called us to do as his people. Because I'm going to say something here. For some, this is a little weird, but we're never given a command to grow a church. As, as, and sometimes, um, I believe a church growing numerically, I think that can and it should be an extension of, of making disciples. That if we make disciples, some of that should be, the church should be growing. And I think we've seen some of that here. But our main commandment, our main thing Jesus impresses upon us, what, do, what we are to give ourselves to, what we're supposed to give our time, our energy, our money towards, is this goal of making disciples. And disciple, for some of us, uh, it might seem like a strange word. You might think automatically, like back in the day, Jesus with his 12 disciples. Some of us have heard, heard about that. And you might think, well, what, what's that mean for me here? Uh, another way we, we would describe disciple simply is a follower of Jesus. So if you follow Jesus, you are, just like John and Matthew and, and those, you are also a disciple. Disciple. Maybe a way we can say it. a disciple is someone who's displaying through their life um, as we follow him, as we're continually transformed, that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. That's simply a way to describe a disciple. Someone who, as their life is being changed, they're becoming more like Jesus in their inward thoughts as well as their outward actions. And so as a church, it, it's good and healthy for us to ask ourselves Maybe some assessing questions. Are we making disciples? Are people who are being connected with the village specifically uh, becoming transformed in their inner being? You know, the stuff that no one else might see. To feel and to think and to be motivated for Christ, but also an outward expression. Are we seeing people in their service and their commitment and their sacrifice becoming more and more into the image of Jesus? And, and there's a lot we can unpack here, but for the sake of time, I want to particularly focus on one of the verbs contained in this great commission. In verse 20, we see part of Jesus' commandment here. Uh, it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching. That's the word I want you to focus on. You're teaching. Because we see here that an essential aspect of making disciples, a critical component of helping people to follow Jesus more, is teaching them what it means to follow Jesus. Teaching. Um, this command, what it, what it shows us is that if we're doing this all correctly, if we're being the church as we should be, our assumption is that in the village, there should always be a people who become a part of our family, who begin walking with us, who, who don't really know what it means to follow Jesus. That should just be a normal aspect of what it means to be the church, that there should be people among us who, when they first start walking here, this is all new. This is all foreign. This is kind of maybe confusing at times. It's a little strange. Like, why are we all facing the same way and singing these songs? Are we singing Christian karaoke? Are we, who are, are we talking to someone? Or I don't, I don't really get. There should be an aspect where it's kind of new. And not because they're unintelligent, obviously, especially if that's you. We're not saying it's unintelligence. But because it's, it's an entirely new way of looking at life. It, it, it's almost like it's foreign. If you've ever traveled to a foreign place, it's almost like you're not quite sure how things go. There should be that aspect. Um, maybe another way for us to think about this is it should be unnatural, unnatural for a church that everyone who connects with us is already a mature follower of Jesus. I'm going to suggest it should just be weird for us if every new person comes in and says, oh, yeah, I already know all that. That should make us question, say, are we really doing what we're supposed to be doing here? 
And, and I want to I want to affirm if that's you and you're new, we welcome you. Uh, I think it's great that some of you, you've come and you follow Jesus passionately. You've, you've followed him for years, and now maybe you've moved to Baltimore or some life situation. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to join this church, and you just hit the ground running. That's awesome. We need people like that. We need that. But what I'm suggesting, is it's got to be more than just that. It's got to be more than just that. Uh, I would suggest that a healthy church has to have a part of her community, those for whom all that we do here feels kind of foreign, feels kind of unfamiliar. Maybe it even feels a little weird. Maybe even if you've been here for years, it still feels weird, but especially kind of weird. And, and that's why we teach, guys. That's why we need to teach. And maybe, maybe some ways that we can gauge if this is happening at the village or any church, um, maybe things are going to feel kind of messy as we live out community. Maybe as you're connecting with people and as maybe, and maybe you're like leading someone or maybe you're working with people, there should be this sense, man, this is really like, they don't get it. <laughs> wow. You know, we've taught that this is what it means in our, in our, say, our sexuality or the way we view money or the way we share our time, the way we live with one. This is what it should look like, but they're not getting it. Yeah. Cause it's new. Who among us gets something right away? It takes teaching takes patience. Um, another way to gauge is that maybe the nature of our discussions will have to be a little different. Like in our, in our community groups, maybe the stuff we talk about is not always going to be like the deepest like church fathers talking about the theological implications of the Trinity in this verse of scripture. Sometimes it might be for you nerdier groups. But what I'm going to suggest is sometimes you might be talking about like very basic things. Like what does this mean for me right now? What does this mean for me in work? Like, I've got a real broken family. It's not like cookie cutter perfect like Joe Christian. Uh, what does this mean for that? And talking about very basic stuff. And, and maybe what I can welcome some of you who are a little bit more experienced in this whole following Jesus thing, to have a mentality to say, you know what? It's not always going to be mostly about me. It's not always going to be about me feeling intellectually challenged in every moment, though there's got to be that. But it's going to be me having a teaching posture to say, how can I also walk with others who this is a little bit newer for them? And a way to say that is, church is not just, what do I get out of it? You know, we talk about that all the time, right? It's not just about us. It's about others who maybe the journey is a little new. And I would, I would hope that we as the village, we can continually fight and strive to be a church that has a heart to teach others what does it mean to follow Jesus in all of our being, especially for those, maybe this is a new adventure. This is a new journey. In some sense, I would suggest it's very related to the role of parenting. And I know we talked about parenting a couple weeks ago. But as a parent, for those of your parents, extra sermon for you, right? You, you, we've got to have the posture that our children are blank pages, Right? We've got to have this posture that they're an open book, the pages are blank, and you get to help them write some of their story here. Part of our role as parents is teaching children how to live in this world. You don't assume that they're going to learn on their own. Because if you don't teach them, someone will teach them. If you don't teach them, someone will. Whether it's TV or video games or school or other people or other kids, we've got a responsibility Children have been gifted so that we can impart to them certain wisdom, certain life skills. Um, 
And I'll, I'll, I want to share a story from just me with our, our kids. And di- I'm going to preface by saying this is not, oh, man, look how super spiritual he is. We should strive. To-. No, I, I can share t- for every one good story, 10 jacked up examples of how I'm growing as a parent. But I was really blessed by this. Yesterday, my, my wife went to the store and she came back with a bunch of little like cracker, sandwich cracker things, right? Like packaged ones. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. She bought those for me. She's like, no, 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 that's not for you. But the girls, they remember saying that when, we, when we're driving on the road and we run into maybe some people on the streets who are homeless and they come up to the car, you know, our personal philosophy is we don't give out money, but what is a way for us to be compassionate? Maybe we have some food in the car that we can give out at a stoplight. And so the girls told her, hey, can we buy those kind of things because we can have in the car because last time we stopped, we didn't have anything like that. I gotta be honest, I, I, I was a little, like, because <laughs> again, as a parent, sometimes you feel like you mess up all the time. I don't know if any of you parents feel that, but it's a reminder for me, again, not that I'm perfect, but man, they're listening, they're watching, they're observing, even when we don't think they are. And it's responsibility to teach, to teach what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, obviously, but beyond that, just what does it mean to live in this world? What does it mean to have mercy, compassion, a heart for truth? And I I would say specifically for parents here, um, we see the evidence. I see the evidence in older people of what happens when we're younger. Um, Our church, we tend to talk a lot about issues of diversity and, and ethnicity and race. Maybe one suggestion I can give, particularly if you are a family here of majority culture, I mean, that's a polite way to say white, um, One of the best ways that you can be an advocate and be an ally of people of color is to teach your children from a very young age what does it mean to live in a society that's diverse. Because the reality is if you are Anglo, you don't have to talk about those things. You don't. But as an ally to say, you know what? Maybe certain things will not affect us, but some people in our church, it does affect. And to teach little ones, even from a young age, what does it mean? Because I see the product of people who've been trained to think in, even in issues of justice from a very young age, it just becomes part of their being. And one of the best ways you can equip your young ones is to tell them, yeah, it might not directly affect you, but it affects other people, and to grow and to teach. And maybe another example on the other same, uh, along similar line of teaching is for those of you with little men, teaching them very clearly from a young age, this is how you conduct yourself with a young lady. This is how, when you're in a room with a you don't put her, your hands on her. You don't speak in this way of women. And the thing is, I'm going to guess if you're in this room, most of us here, that's just natural. You're like, of course, who would do things like that? Who would act like that? But we've got to recognize kids are blank slates. And sometimes things that seem so normal and natural to us, we've got to explicitly put down and say, no, I'm going to say this to you and I'm going to teach you this because this is important. I want you to get down because one day, this is not just about our family, you are going to affect someone else. So my responsibility is to teach you what is right. And obviously at a certain point, every person is going to make their own decisions. But at least on our end, what can we do to teach and to impart As we think about who we are as a church, this is tied back to the parenting where I said these principles are not just for parents, it's applicable for all of us here. 
that I think it's a very intentional matter when we look into scriptures in the Bible, that when they talk about the people of God, they use the language of family. It's not just about a religious kind of thing. It talks a lot about family. One verse that we, we uh, talked about before, 1 Timothy 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Simply it's saying, hey, guys, you're not just people who gather together for religious exercises. You're actually supposed to become family. We all have our family of origins, our biological family, but just as much, this is supposed to become family as well. And what a beautiful, diverse-looking family, huh? Have you ever imagined brothers and sisters like this? This is gorgeous. This is beautiful. We're supposed to carry the same approach to one another as family. This is not just an age thing. So maybe some of you are younger, but in a spiritual sense, you might almost be like a father because you've been just walking this journey a little bit more. And what does it mean to teach? What does it mean to share wisdom as we embrace the call to teach those who come after us in this journey of following Jesus? This is a revolutionary call Jesus is giving in making disciples. Who we are to teach, to become more like him. It's a radical approach to who is family to us. Look at verse 19 again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is a radical statement. Because Jesus is saying here, who family is to be to you now is not just your biological family. When I'm telling you to love someone and make disciples and teach, this is not just about those you would normally consider your homies. The people that you would normally have affinity with. You're supposed to go cross cultures. You're supposed to go across geopolitical lines. Jesus makes it very clear here that his people, they will not be defined by social, geographic, and political borders, but his people will cross those borders so that others may know and follow Jesus, even if it's something they've never known. Obviously, a real aspect of this is going to the nations. And and even as a church, we're going to be talking much more about our first missions team going to Haiti in a few months. So that's a real part of it, and we're going to dig into that more down the line. But I want to suggest it also means looking with open eyes right here, where we are, Baltimore, Hamden, 21211, 2017, with a heart to teach others what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to know him? Especially if all that feels so foreign. Um, I was away last weekend, and some of you, some of you know, um, my brother and I, we actually had a chance to take my father away on a little trip. Um, some, some of you have been around for a little while. My father had a, a big cancer diagnosis last year, so we just didn't know the future. And praise God, he's actually doing better and better. I'm like, he's looking pretty strong. Um, but we decided to take him on a trip, so we went to uh, Vegas. Don't judge me. Went to Vegas. <laughs> Not to gamble, but to eat, right? Gambling on our food. Um, and, and to the Grand Canyon. Just an amazing time. And, and in some of that, um, obviously the stuff we were seeing was great, but for me, it was just a good opportunity to just talk with my dad. Because as, as a son of an immigrant, especially with a language barrier, I haven't done too much of that. Um, especially when I had all my teenage angst back in long, long time ago. But being able to hear some of his story, especially as an immigrant coming to this culture, it's back when there were not that many Koreans coming to America especially. There was just not many like he was around. And, and I remember, I, it just struck me how courageous he was to come to a country where he didn't know the language, 
have to like really grind. You know, you got to grind. I mean, all of us got to grind and work hard. But as, as an immigrant who doesn't speak the language, with knowing that there's a little kid coming with his wife, I got to work. And just the stories he had of, of how he had to work hard to find a job and travel wherever he could so that he could make it, so he could provide, just it, it put me in awe. I'm like, man, you're a beast. You're a hero. That's amazing. But what, what he said stood out to me. He's like, but man, it was hard. But what was such a blessing were those who came before me. Like a few people, a few other Koreans who knew I was coming. And they like met me at the train station and said, hey, we heard you were coming. And showing how you process certain information with bills. Or how you do certain things to find an apartment. How you do things to find a job. When, when you just don't know. You know, when you look and it's just so mysterious. It's like all mumbo jumbo. You don't know what you're going to do. You're, you don't know what you're going to do in the midst of, of, of a lost situation where no one looks like you. You don't know how everyone seems to know what to do, but you don't. To have even a few people who say, I know where you've been. Here, follow me. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll teach you. And, and just, I mean, it's an immigrant experience story that you help those who come after you to navigate in ways that they might not understand intuitively because it's just foreign. It's just weird. And it just reminded me, man, village, that is our call as a church as well. That is our call as the church to recognize that truly being the church as Jesus taught means it's never just about us. It's never just about us creating this little enclave where we're comfortable and we're doing things just for us and we're growing and that's all important, that's part of it. But it's also not just about who's already here, but who's not here yet. It's gotta be, it can't just be about who's here now, but who's not here yet. And recognizing that all around us, maybe it's not people of a foreign culture or a different language or a different skin tone, It might be. That might be realistically a part of it. But it might be people who look very much like you. But they're in a different culture because they don't follow Jesus. In some sense, it is a different world. And our call as a church then is that when we recognize people are like that, whether they're in our family, whether they're on the street, whether we work with them, maybe some have already even come here. Maybe that's you. That what we do is not just expect this is normal and natural, but realize it's not. And we teach people things like, you know, it's important to come here every week. We put a high value on worshiping together, not because this is just a religious thing, but there's importance in meeting with God, but also with other people. It just feels strange. Have you ever thought about it? It feels strange to go every week to some place. You're like, why would you do that? Because we meet God that way, and we meet with one another that way. Teaching, what does it mean to sing? Because, it's again, it's just weird. We're not a singing culture unless it's like American Idol, right? Or the voice. But what does it mean to sing? Because we express in the voices God has given us who he is and his splendor. What does it mean for us to be generous? Have you ever thought about the idea of giving in church? That is like the wackiest idea. That you work hard. You work your behind off. You even give taxes to government, some of you. And, and after that... Yeah, we're not going to go there. right? That's for another sermon. After all that, you're also going to give to other people? When you barely have enough for yourself... That's, that's lunacy. But that's why we teach that. We teach that in giving, God blesses. That in giving, God helps others, but he also helps our own hearts. 
But we have to teach that because it's not normal. It's not natural. We teach that it's valuable to not just come on Sunday to this thing called church, but also meet together in smaller communities, even when we're busy. Have you thought about the lunacy of that? You know what? I know you are maxed out in your calendar and your Google calendar is like all blue or all pink or whatever you choose. You got no time at all. Yet you're going to say spend more time with people? That's crazy. And we teach that that's the value of community. That family is shown in how you spend time together and actually take some of these things and go a little bit deeper. We live in a world where the sexual ethic is all over the place, right? Where we live in a world where do what makes you feel happy. How crazy in the midst of that that we're saying, actually, you know what? God has provided a means by which sexuality is helpful. Helpfully expressed. Do it this way. Approach marriage this way. But that's not normal. That's actually a little weird. But that's why we have to teach and patiently teach and walk through with people to whom this might be a little weird. Maybe it's this idea, you know what? I know all the TV shows late at night that talk about Jesus, talk all about Jesus wanting to give you a bigger house. And if you follow him, he's going to give you more cars. And, you know, just give some seed money and he'll give you ten times back. But you know what? Actually, the call of Jesus might be he's actually calling you to follow him and die. He's saying, I'm a Lord who went to this thing called a cross. And I'm telling you, carry this cross yourself. Deny yourself. That is lunacy. Some of you have been here so long, you're brainwashing. Oh, yeah, I died on myself. No, that's weird. It's absolutely weird that we would deny ourselves for the sake of others, that we would sacrifice, that we would look at some creature comfort saying, no, I'm not going to partake for the sake of something better. That is absolutely lunacy. But that's why we teach. And that's why we say it's, it's actually the way to know life. But we teach it. We walk together. And maybe I'll, I'll just, there's so many more, obviously, but I'll, maybe I'll close on this. Maybe it's to teach, to just continually teach the good news of Jesus. Teach about grace. Teach in a culture where so many of us feel beaten down every day because we feel like we're not cutting the mustard. Feel like we're, we're falling short. We're not the man we hope we would be. We're not the woman we would hope we'd be. We're not the professional we would hope we'd be. We're not the student we'd like to be. We're not the spouse we would like to be. We're not the parent we'd like to be. We don't have the money we would like to have. We don't look the way we wish we could. We're not as smart as we wish we were. We're not as handy as we would like to be. All these areas that preach to us how we've fallen short in our life, that maybe the biggest thing we teach is Jesus loves people who fall short. Over and over and over and over again. And that church doesn't become a place where we come to brag about how much we've made it. Rather, it's become a place where we boast. And what we boast about is Jesus. Saying, I've just jacked up this world. I've just jacked up this life. I've fallen so low, so short. But praise God, this God still wants me. And we see it through this thing called the cross. Where he's given himself for the sake of those who could not give for themselves. And we just preach that to one another. How long you've been doing it? Well, that's a message we need to hear whole life. But especially if this is new, we teach people, this is what grace means. It's not about being more religious. It's about actually saying, there's no way I can fix myself. I need help. And that's called Jesus. So before we have our baptism testaments, can I ask you to just bow your head for a moment? Um, and obviously many of us are here to celebrate what God is doing in these, these three lives that we're going to witness their testimony through their baptism. But can I also invite you? Maybe there's a reason you're here. 
maybe you're new or maybe you haven't been here before. Maybe you've been here for a while. Can I, in my role, help you to embrace this idea of who Jesus is, that he loves imperfect people, not for us to stay there, but so that he can grow us into all we were intended to be, for you to receive grace, for you to be part of community, for you to say, you know what? Can I be honest? Some of this stuff just feels really wacky to me. I don't get it. But to ask God to give you a spirit of humility to say, Lord, teach me because I need to grow. So let me invite you in that heart right now. Just say a quiet prayer to God, whatever that looks like for you, and receive his word into your life even today. Let's take a moment to do that together. Heavenly Father, help us, Lord, as we come before you. That, Lord, our church, may we always be marked by a heart that's, that's not just satisfied with this being about us, but it would also be about those who are not yet here. Those for whom this message is very foreign and you, you almost feel like a foreign culture. Help us to have eyes that recognize that, and to be patient, to be kind, to open our hearts, and to receive gladly and to be an ambassador as someone who's gone before, not to say I have all the answers, but I've been where you're at. Humble us some of our hearts, Lord, if it's become about us, if we're dissatisfied because it's not meeting what we need. And Lord, help us to be reminded of the call you've given all of us to go and to also teach. And I pray for some of us, if we're here, Lord, maybe this is a very new message. Would your Holy Spirit, Lord, speak life, into areas of brokenness. I pray for any of who are here, Lord, and feel like it's been about, God is about being trying to be religious, trying to be good enough. Lord, would you bring freedom to know it's never about us being good enough, it's about knowing Jesus who did what we could not not do and trusting him and knowing that in our sinfulness, Jesus forgives our sin and bring life into those lives here, Lord, and perhaps start on this journey of knowing you. So we thank you for being so good to us so patient, so kind. So we love you, Lord, and as we get ready for these baptisms, Lord, help us to celebrate being be reminded of new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.